1: what's good internet it's friday may 29th and you're listening to waypoint radio episode 317 i'm your host austin walker and i'm joined by gita jackson hello hi and kato is here with us as always hey kato how you doing hi okay uh, it's a yeah day okay today. we were talking it's about a, it's gross out today it yeah. really is um, we did not have an episode on Monday because of Memorial Day, and we decided not to cram, try to cram an episode into what we knew would be a really packed week, uh, which has since turned into a really shitty week. Um, uh-huh. So briefly, before we get into our stuff, I do just want to say justice for George Floyd, justice for Ahmaud uh, Arbery, who obviously uh, that, that, that particular case is just still in the air and is not a, a new thing, uh, and those are two names among many. Um, when I say justice, I don't mean like fire some police officers or press charges against people. I mean like substantial and systemic change. I mean like big picture shit. Um, justice is not something that gets done overnight and it's not something that done is achieved through individual action uh, taken against individual actors. It's something that's achieved through the sort of large scale change that ensures that injustice is less possible um and and that you know protocols and safeties are put in place and that people's lives are valued and that is not something that happens quickly um and uh, i think in in moments like this it can be very easy to look for an out for a well why is anyone still mad about this you know the officers involved were fired or whatever uh, and so this is me saying – and, and <laughs> you know this goes beyond, uh, uh, you know, white supremacy in America. This goes to so many, so many issues of, of oppression. Nothing gets changed just because individual actors – Uh, were taken to task Uh, you can take individual actors to task and you should because it it helps you know indicate the fact that those systems uh, you know need to work in that way Um, but when it continues to happen in the first place over and over again uh, I think the message that is actually being sent to so many people is that your lives are only as valuable as much as is your lives are only as valuable uh, as as much noise uh, you can make Um, and and in this case we are making a lot of noise so uh we are demanding that 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 value be be heard um in any case uh with that <laughs> out of the way uh i think it's fair to talk about video games i think a lot of us have been trying to play some stuff to keep our minds off of things or to keep our minds focused on <laughs> focused on things in different ways uh, i'm curious what y'all have been have been up to this week um gita hello Hi. <laughs> well
2: you got me uh Generation generation's really freaking good <laughs> <laughs> Completely, yeah, man. I actually, I know we talked about this like for a while in the pod last week. Um, last week, it was last mm-hmm. week. The passage of time is just a mystery to me.
1: Who um, who knows anymore?
2: Who, honestly, who knows?
1: It's, um, it's a nightmare, yeah.
2: It's every day I wake up and some shit is happening on <laughs> my timeline, and then I, got, Ella walks all over me, and I'm like, You're right, I should go back to sleep, and then I do. Ugh. Um, uh. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this, particularly in this particular moment, which, um, as Austin just noted, there's, uh, you know, I feel like the more things change, the more things stay stay the same when it comes to police brutality, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's uh, trying to relive some of the same exact conversations that I've had with my white peers, like when Black Lives Matter started, which was many, Mm -hmm. many years ago and I'm begging for a little less talking and uh, a little more listening from people. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I should beg for it, but here I am begging. Mm-hmm. Um, playing the umrangi generation in the midst of that stress and, like, being in a space where marginalized people are just developing their own community and are speaking their own language, the, the disconnect between the bounties and what you actually Mm. see outside of the viewfinder is what's most compelling about that game for me. And I really think if it it took the edge off a little bit for me last night because I understood that I'm not alone in this very specific kind of trauma of feeling like an outsider in the place where I live. Uh, It's like a really old trauma and there are methods and there are ways that you can bring this to light and like make it ex- explicable for people who don't speak the language, don't experience it, and hopefully from there, change is possible. So brought me back from the brink of hopelessness a little bit.
1: <laughs> the so. the irony, of course, being that with Umurangi generation, um, uh, one of the things that uh, that Kato pointed out to me over the weekend, or you know, it also comes up in that interview that I that I mentioned last time, um, uh, the Umurangi. The umarang e. Another thing I've uh, I've been I've learned is it's it's wrong e, not wrong g. If that makes sense, umarang umarang e. Uh, it's a dip. It's a it's a what do you call that? What is that called? Is that a diphthong? What is that called? And there's like two, the word well, the ng slowly. sound. Yeah, I whatever you're, you're whatever. making
2: a glottal stop, but I don't think yes. that is the word.
1: <laughs> I don't know what the yeah. Anyway. Uh, is that uh, the Umurangi generation is asking you to care? Is a piece in which the uh, the the uh, one of the developers on the game, the lead the lead talks through kind of what the some of the themes are of the game. Um, and one of the things that we didn't really get into is uh, what, the kind of core the kind of core premise of the game. The reason it's called Red Sky or Umurangi uh, Generation, uh, aka Red Sky Generation, is that like these are the people who will be the last people to to see the world um and i think so much of what is incredible about this game which again for people who've missed previous conversations is a game about uh doing photography kind of in um a a sort of near future cyberpunk-ish mid-apocalyptic uh new zealand um uh is this sort of like hope in the face of desperation and hope in the face of or not even hope um culture in the face of like joy in the face of what is what is the world ending right the world everything falling apart all over all over the place not being able to identify particular methods of hope uh, or particular methods of like how do we fix this and insisting that we should still have community despite that right Um, yeah kata you were the one who brought this up to me um, the other day so i'm curious if you have any other thoughts on that
0: um yeah i mean I, I definitely, and I kind of messaged you about this, the idea of, cause I had brought up the idea of like photography as a record and also a means to disseminate information that may be like we talked about, maybe, uh, not, not listened to if, if not in like this kind of not sanitized, but, um, ease more easily digestible form of the image um but something part of part of that part of like a record is the idea that there will be somebody to look back at a thing um Mm. and i was really kind of stricken especially by um i'm not gonna say exactly what happens but the, the like last area in the game and um the idea of a kind of finality that uh photography doesn't um like there's a there's a kind of finality in 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 that in in the end of this game that um in a way twists the idea of using photography to document this um Mm -hmm. that is a little bit like i don't know it feels almost um what's the word i'm looking for not didactic but like uh precautionary i suppose mm-hmm. um, Yeah, you know uh that there's a certain um not privilege exactly but like this idea that knowing that in the current time like you can still or hoping that in the current time you can still change the course of history um where for these people in this game it's too late right like yeah, uh, yeah. the actors I, have already kind of made their mistakes right and right people, i mean that is the right the individual people are kind of living out the end of their time on their terms kind of but like only on yeah. so far as the the people in power have already kind of screwed the pooch so to speak
2: yeah um, i i've been noticing this in real life. <laughs> um, I mean, i I, more recently, recently, I think just because I'm locked inside and stressed out all the time, I'm just growing my patience for, uh, let's say, white nonsense. <laughs> it's just gone like a lot. It's just a lot lower than it used to be. I used to, you know, you grow up with a lot of white people. You certain learn how to tune certain things out and try not to let it get to you. But this most recently, especially after back-to-back Palooze murders, um i <laughs> i'm just over it today like i the moment i realized i just needed to get off the timeline and like do something nice for my brain was when i saw a white person retweet this video of like a black child crying on camera <laughs> about the riots and like very like eloquently explaining why riots occur which is you know he was saying if the people here can't trust the Police, then once the police kills one of them and they don't have anyone to go to, they're just going to riot. And just, you know, just true. But it's like, you're forcing this kid couldn't have been more than 12. And you could hear his voice breaking on camera, like an like an actual literal child. And it's it's so it's must feel very good for some people to see images like that in the face of tragedy. But that person, when the camera stopped running, continued to exist. And I think Umurangi generation, Umurangi generation, um, more than anything, makes brings that thought to the front of my mind. Like when I'm given a bounty to take a picture of the word cops, we talked about this last time, I, I know that the person who receives that picture will be happy with their picture of the word cops. I don't know what they're going to do with that. But the character I play took that picture and then still had to live in the world where they, you know, graffiti says cops come here to kill us for a reason. I just think it's a good time to think more mindfully about the things you share on social media, how you respond to tragedy, and the ways in which your responses to tragedy can also be dehumanizing.
1: Mm hmm. The, the quote that I was uh, trying to reference, and I couldn't pull it off out of the top of my head, uh, from Faulkner, who is the lead dev on it, is, I chose Umurangi Generation, you know, Red Sky Generation, because the idea was to talk about how our generation is coming of age at the moment, having to deal with older generations destroying the Earth in front of us, and we can't really do anything about it. We can go and protest, sure, but in terms of being the people who actually push the buttons, we're limited in that space. The idea in choosing that title was that someday there is going to be a last generation, a generation who is in the position we are in at the moment. They're going to have to just sit by and watch. There's going to be a point where we can't fix it, a generation that won't be, have the same hope that I have at the moment. Um, and I think that that is so fascinating because it's such a it puts on its head what I think a lot of other developers would do with this core concept mm-hmm. um, because I think there would be a turn. There would be the moment of like, and then you took the photograph that changes the world. <laughs> Right, then you take yeah. the photograph that reveals the truth about the situation, and I think that the game rejects that framing, and that's a framing that I think gets gets brought forward a lot. And we you we know, we talked about the value of photography and and the the kind of lines uh, around depicting, uh, you know, sh- shooting the the effects of war, shooting the effects of of trauma, and like what the benefits there are, what the philosophy around and discussion around um, uh, the the sort of um, ethics of photography are, um, but I love the idea that someone stepped forward, that this developer stepped forward and said, "Like, all right, let's w- let's bracket off what we think are the values of, you know, photography, documentation, creative work, uh, in regards to political change or in regards to saving us." What remains is it still valuable? Then and I think the game insists that it is, yeah. which is which is fascinating. And I, and and for what it's worth, the thing that I like about it is not that it says photography can't save us; it's that it says that photography could save us is not the reason why photography is meaningful. Right. Um, uh, do you know what I mean? And and I think yeah. that there's a degree to which it's like the c- photography is is in this game adjacent to dance, music, um, you know, visual art in this in the style of um uh murals and graffiti um all sorts of uh, fashion all sorts of other types of expression that happened for this generation of people as depicted through you and your friends and the other groups that you kind of bounce around the kind of car culture that you see the the like uh people doing b-boy shit in the in the subway on the one level mm. um people who are like there's all uh, visual artists who who have like uh, people who've built monuments or people who've built shrines or, uh, you know, kind of um, vigils for people. Those mm-hmm. things happen again and again, and none of them can save that group, right? Um, the the fact that there's like the second or third level, I think it's the third level, you find all these memorials for someone who the community's lost. Um, and it's not that like those memorials bring anyone back. And even in that case, it's not necessarily that those memorials will like – will um change the political truth of the world for those people uh it's not going to get the un to stop occupying their space uh Mm -hmm. it's not going to change the, the sort of events of the macro level plot of this game which is which i just need to like pause for a second and just be like huge props for this game for being able to to produce this degree of conversation from us over three weeks um, without dialogue, without yeah. exposition, without yeah. there being a title card that says in the year, blah, 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 blah. It has such a strong sense of environmental storytelling. Uh, through communicating stuff about the world, through just uh, visual language, through music, through through space. Um, it's incredible. Um, but but all, going back to it, all, all of those things are valuable, you know, in spite of their inability to change the situation. Or rather, they understand that part of what changing the situation is, is that expression can help float a community for a while. It can help ease suffering and pain. Um, it can give us joy in the face of, of abject horror. Um, and, and those are things that allow us to, con- <laughs> to continue living. Uh, and, and, you know, insofar as if we can go back to uh, our, our old uh, Ava podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. The chance, the openness, the open possibility that tomorrow could theoretically change something, right? Um, you, you, it can be – in a moment of desperation, it can be really hard to move on even a day. Um, and because tomorrow looks bad too, right? Because <laughs> you know tomorrow yeah. won't won't fix things. Um, things you're not going to wake up. But but there is this sort of like potential, the potentiality of the future is open in such a way that c- could something happen. And if, and if and if it were to happen, would be would we be ready to capitalize on it? Would we be ready to swing into action? Would we have the morale necessary? Would we understand ourselves as a community? Would we understand what we believe in and and who we are willing to fight for? Um, and I think those those are the things that something like doing photography in this in the face of of apocalypse um, help are a great analogy for, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know that releasing this podcast is going to ever affect the the situation of white supremacy uh in, in America. I don't think it will. I don't think it will, right? Like we are one voice in in a in a sea being ignored. Um uh, but if the opportunity, if the door opens, I want people to be ready to run through it, right? We can't yes. open the door, but we can give you some sneakers. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like we yeah, yeah, get yeah. you ready to go. <laughs> um and that yeah. is that is I think part of what what is so fascinating. And it, and it you have to, it has to be the, there's like a leap of faith quality to it which is like you have to get up every morning and do the work of getting prepared just in case the door opens you can't just assume the door will never open and, and that's so frustrating because it means every day you get up you get ready to go somewhere you can't go anywhere uh mm-hmm. and and but one day there is the possibility that things align just right enough momentum gets gets moving enough people realize other people are ready for for large-scale change or or nothing changes and we all suffer until we die but along the way we've taken a lot of good pictures right
2: Yeah. I think uh, along the lines of what you're saying about this game, just making it just an argument for the art for the sake of art. And usually, when that argument is made um, by non marginalized people, I hear it just sort of like in praise of frivolity, you know, in praise of frivolousness. And there mm-hmm. is something frivolous about art in and of itself, but I think that this game makes a strong case for no art actually being frivolous, that even in the face of absolute nothingness it's better to have a voice to express yourself with than to not it's better to be able to put that frame around your environment and contextualize it for yourself for your community for other people than to not i'm reading right now um six and loo's supernova era which is this incredible book um basically there is a supernova in this book and everyone over the age of 13 gets a dose of uh, fatal radiation and will die within a year and they have to train the well, the til- everyone dying happens like in the first chapter and then the children just have to take over. And it's they talk a lot about in the book about how culture is going to change now that like now that no adults are alive and what that means and how that moves things and what that's going to mean about the old world and the new world. Like the reason the book's called Supernova Era is because there's just now two eras of humanity, one where there were adults basically all the time and another where 13 year olds had to become president Ooh. um god this is great the american president is like a cherubic little boy and his chief of staff is like an evil little boy who does does drugs i love him <laughs> um I, it's interesting to read that book and play this game at the same time just because you are i'm reading two different perspectives on like what happens to culture when it's over <laughs> when it all ends you know the culture of the supernova era in this book is going to be completely different than the culture that came before influenced by it sure but like not the same thing at all and it's just been making my brain do backflips anyway i think this game is good that's what mm-hmm, i meant mm-hmm. to say <laughs> yeah.
1: um though i, I do think that the game does a really smart thing too of just Contrasting the sort of emergent culture stuff from the communities it shows, versus the stuff that is still being made somewhere off screen and yes. peddled, mm-hmm. uh, yes. all of the like terrible movie posters for like action hero shit that is like, like yeah. uh,
2: three nights in Kowloon or something. Right? Like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> that stuff. There's there's definitely like stuff that's like the equivalent of of kind of like american army apology that's just like our soldiers are sad and that means that you got to remember even though they killed a lot of brown people <laughs> they're people too and it's like that style of of movie poster is everywhere in this world or people who are like trying to I, 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 but it's mixed in with stuff like it's not it's not like completely dismissed with the idea of film you know what i mean it's definitely mixed in with stuff of people who are trying to make stuff that makes sense of the world or trying to like emphasize it like Actually, it's kind of cool when you fight giant monsters. Um, and that stuff is fa- it's fascinating to see the range of, of kind of artistic production that is gestured at in the world. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. We've gone on for it for 20 minutes again, uh, but I really, really <laughs> love it. Yeah, no, and it's really if my schedule, If my God, schedule slows down, wait. I'm going to do a stream one of these days. So we'll you see.
2: You totally should. Oh, yeah. man, it's perfect stream game. Um, the only thing I don't like about the game is when I can't find something, and then I get really mad at myself and have to take mm. a little walk around the apartment. But that—that's a me problem. <laughs> yeah, hit me
1: up. I've—I have gotten all of the. I, I mean, yes, I—I have up put ten hours into this game, and this game is not <laughs> ten hours long. Like it's seven ten-minute levels well, uh, you that like, you can totally you start-
2: beat looking at stuff in its 10 minute mm-hmm. levels and then you want to keep looking at stuff and then like have five minutes later i'm like i have objectives Shit. i have objectives
1: <laughs> i have bonus objectives i can't find these film canisters i found all yep. the film canisters the bonuses that you get for them are sick i'm like of two minds because it's like now that i've spent 10 hours in this game i know these spaces incredibly well and that feels cool but also some of the things that they lock up behind the the unlockable like bonus objective stuff is so There's some of those things are so important for for the for the photo taking process in terms of like different lenses you unlock. Um, in terms of things like remember Kado, you were like, "Why can't I just stay zoomed in and take photos?" Not say, just look through the yeah. finder and take. It's like, "Well, yeah, you can if you get all the bonus objectives right. on level whatever." And it's like, <laughs> oh "Well, <my> God. Huh. <laughs> um, it's I not let, like your
2: uh... eyes upgrade or your arm upgrades to like hold the camera
1: no. more." It's the, the final ridiculous. upgrade is some is a dope futuristic thing though. For what it's worth, is what I will oh, say.
0: Okay, I'm uh, they do do
1: some like sci-fi shit with the final upgrade. It's sick. Um, so yeah, so yeah, maybe I'll do a stream of that. Any other final thoughts on this or should we move on to other other stuff that people are were checking out?
2: I think I don't really know. Yeah, I'm good. Right. <laughs> the music whips, that's all. That I so the had to music say.
1: whips, that's okay. shout the out to the The music is crack. off
0: the chain. It's, it's oh
1: incredible. God. It's so good. Um I briefly want to shout out uh uh two other two other little things. Um one is a game called Totem, T-O-T-E-M, that's on Itch. Uh um that is I've only put like 30 or 40 minutes into it, um, uh, but it's only like two hours long, is my understanding. Um I'll just read the pitch from the, the itch page. It's something strange has appeared on Earth, multiple gigantic beings with unique languages, and you're the only one that can deter them. You are the translator. Uh, and it is like a first person. It's like an arrival <laughs> um, like it's like Excuse me. <laughs> I've linked you. Uh, it's 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 a little gamier than than what you might think a game with this pitch is like in the sense that like. Um, all right. So I'll just give you the first the first one that I did is uh, an entity called Wrecking Ball shows up and Wrecking Ball is this giant orb with like other weird polygons sticking out of it. Um and it speaks through like uh symbols right and the symbols are very broad things like um uh, there's like a collect there's like a squiggle and a squiggle means verb uh there is like a like ver- like this is a verb. Um there is a a door with an arrow going into it and that means entry. There's a door with an arrow going away from it. And that means exit, right? There's like a picture of the galaxy and that means galaxy. There's a picture of a of like a human heart and that means love. Um and you were trying to do like dialogue choices while looking at this gigantic creature in front of you that looks like A walking like nuclear disaster about to happen um and it's switching between two two like selves it's switching between an empathetic and a and a logical self and your goal is to keep the logical self in this first one the goal is to keep the logical self interested long enough for you to like um convince the emotional self that you are not a threat and that and that it should go away uh, but then the second one that I did is this gigantic walking nightmare monster um, that is that communicates through these like howling horns, these like just whoa, like that style of alien uh, communication thing, going back to Close Encounters, basically, right? Um, and you communicate with that one similarly. There's a there was like a lexicon. You're basically picking musical notes to to play back with a a. a Uh, kind of translator's guide in in your escape key. You hit escape key to bring up a menu that's like, okay, this means self, this means God, this means, you know, uh, pray, this means opposite. And you're kind of stringing together, you're picking sentences that have strung these words together to vaguely mean ideas or mean sentences that are like you know, not very nuanced, and you're, and in that one, you're trying to scare this creature away, but not scare it so much that it attacks you. Um, and in that one, you can also launch these terrifying spikes at it from that feel like they they look like they're from uh, like a like a I don't know like a Dragon Age game or something. These big bright blue and red spikes but they're launched as if they're like javelin missiles from off screen and they slam into this creature to either tranquilize it or or enrage it because you don't want it to get all the way unraged either because if it's not if it's not angry at all it means it means that it's not regarding you as a threat at all and so that means that it's just going to stomp on you and move on and it's a it's all this is done in first person all this is done in like like of the woods the foggy woods um, the developer very much took uh, inspiration from some some Simon Stallenhog stuff and basically set out to make a game in which the encounter with an alien uh, – enc- the encounter with aliens is still tense and scary and f- still filled with conflict. Um, but is not like, you don't have a gun. You, what if you couldn't shoot the aliens, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, uh, there's a really good blog post up. Uh, the developer's uh, name is Shackles. Uh, uh, and the, it is, again, it's Totem, T-O-T-E-M, on, um, or Shackles, maybe, S-H-A-K-L-E-S dot itch.io slash Totem. Uh, definitely worth checking out. I think it's free right now, and normally it's five bucks. Give this person five dollars for this cool thing. And shout outs by the way to the fan who who linked me this because they're like wow yeah this is cool yeah that is um, the other first person thing that actually maybe there is some connection here with, Umura, with Umurangi with is um is sludge life sludge God, life. you put a little bit of you put a little bit of time in this right yeah
0: yeah um, yeah it also has. Uh... Very early on a camera, but it's not a camera. game. It does. Game. <laughs> um, it's not
1: a camera game. You can look at the pictures you took. Yeah, but, yeah, which is nice. But it's not a. It's not. The, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I love how many cameras we're getting in games recently. Yeah. I'm, I'm into it. Um, yeah. yeah, we're playing. It's um, a, essentially a uh, um, graffiti tagging game, uh, which ends up amounting to uh, a lot of uh, platforming puzzles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Basically the setting is a um chipyard slash prison question mark where there's a strike happening. Um mm-hmm. and like that's kind of part of the whole the whole shtick, obviously, is like moving through the space and talking to people, uh kind of figuring out what's happening. Um and it's got a very kind of crass it it leans in a way into a crass like adult swimness but not in a like it never goes the full Rick and Morty imo yeah. like it's it's good yeah <laughs> um, don't do that and <laughs> but um it has yeah it definitely has this uh, a really cool look and uh a really f- um fun uh kind of Way to move around the space. This is one where, like, I like got into this game. I was like, "Oh, I wish I could move like half the speed at in <laughs> Right? Yeah. I was yeah. like, "Oh, yeah. here we go. <laughs> this is one. This is this is one where, like, because you, they know you're gonna be jumping around things a lot more, like they've
1: like mm-hmm. focused
0: on that." so much more so but you can mantle like,
1: in sludge life which is yeah, very useful so or like good. climb up the, not like <laughs> climb up but like I mean you can also climb up ladders and stuff yeah. but you can like if you get enough of your body over the edge you'll pull yourself up but I definitely wish Umurangi had that yeah for sure yes Um, um
0: I have and,
2: just fallen off so many things on Umurangi <laughs> yeah. oh my god anyway
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's really it's a it's got a very um you know it's it's you know, I feel like there's a there's a sense people get when you say the word irreverent nowadays that's um Annoying. somehow become yeah, it's somehow become inextricably tied with the idea of like South Park humor.
1: And this yeah. is a different kind of This ar- is more like this is more like gorilla's kid robot, yeah N E R D. Like that's the that's the vibe I get from yeah, the, totally. the You know what I mean? That style of like street a certain subset of streetwear. you know what i mean um it's definitely trying uh it's a game about graffiti right and and so you're tagging stuff um there's good music in it i I, it doesn't it doesn't hit me as strong as as i wish it did i think partially because right now i'm so early enough where i'm like all i'm doing is doing jumping puzzles to tag stuff but there's definitely some other stuff going on in terms of the world building and like every once in a while you you stumble into kind of a fun little mini not a puzzle necessarily I guess a couple things with a puzzle like I found someone who was like locked out of their comms tower that they're supposed to be working in and you're like, all right, well, I bet I can get in there. I bet I can find a jump uh, somewhere that lets me climb up something and then jump into this place, and I did, and I went in there, and then that is how I got a a new disc for my computer that gave me, like, a satellite camera of the area, which is, like, a map, but I don't know why I would ever use that map, (laughs) necessarily, (laughs) but it's so cool, and it's like, oh, okay, I bet I'm gonna keep unlocking cool things for my laptop. This is a game where you hit escape. Here's what this game is. This is a game where you hit escape to pull up a laptop uh, and look at your, like, menu screen, and that's where you, like, can change your settings or look at the photos you've taken. Then when you hit Escape again, the camera returns to first-person mode, and your character throws the laptop yeah. on the ground. <laughs> every like every one, time <laughs> you take a
0: photo, every time you take the camera away from your face, you just throw it in front of you. Yeah, and it's, still, really it's still, You don't have to go pick it up. You still can just pull, you pull just it right back up. It. But it's just yeah. like you're tossing mm. shit. Uh, every It's time like you, one of those
1: Borderlands guns that you throw when right, you're done and yeah, you just yeah. summon a new one. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 good. It's good. It's very that's free. on. I think that's free right now on Epic. Yeah. Um, yes. It's worth. It's here's what I'll say. It's definitely worth looking at a trailer and be like oh yeah i fuck around with this for free for a few hours right um and and if you and if you look at it and you're like "Mm, i don't like this the style then then yeah there's not like some secret thing there for you necessarily if if your first blush uh uh account of it is i'm gonna get i'm early maybe maybe by hour three or four i'd be like actually it's worth it even if you don't think this looks good you should still play it But right now i'm just like yeah give it a look if it looks like it looks good to you try it yeah um all right let's take a quick break when we come back gita i know you have some more sim stuff to talk about
2: oh boy yes i do all
1: right (laughs) well we will be right back what's what's going on what's your, you said that you had a big sims project
2: Yeah I'm starting an elaborate project which okay. first I will explain to you a very fun thing that I think that, that, that other simmers do that that I'm embarking upon So as you now must know like by heart, my favorite simmer is Lil Simsy, is mm-hmm. a, a recent college graduate who is really obsessed with building things in the sims and I've been watching her content that's, um, she's an EA game changer, which means that she got access to the eco lifestyle Pack early, just like I did. And she's putting up a lot of videos where she's going through EA's builds in the game and renovating them. So making sometimes minor, sometimes major mm. changes to them to just make them make a little bit more sense as houses. Sometimes EA Max Sims seems you know, I love you, but sometimes there's weird things that are wrong with those builds. Like, uh... In the eco-living pack, eco-lifestyle pack, Simsy pointed out that there's one building where the roof texture is not consistent across all of the different roof pieces, so it just looks like an accident and probably is. <laughs> well, waka waka. Hopefully they see that before they ship it. Um, but what she has done, because she likes doing these renovations so much, is she's renovated every single lot in the game uh, with in every single expansion. So... There is a save file that she has it's distributed that she calls the Simsy save, where it's all... All the lots are different. They're all renovated. Some are major, some minor. All of them have all new Sims that live in them as well. So, like, there's a bunch of new Sims with her personalized story. She's written little descriptions for all of them also. And it's tremendous. It's tremendous. It's a lot of work, and it's really kind of remarkable. So, of course, I decided I wanted to do something like that, too. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm right now in the city of San Myshuno, literally right now, trying to figure out how to rebuild all of the apartments to f- feel more like apartments to me. I feel like I really like this one thing that The Sims has. This has a, a town that is just empty lots that you can build whatever you want on called Newcrest. And I have built up Newcrest a lot of times trying uh, to you can build any different kind of building in this game, so I've made a bunch of coffee shops. I've made a bunch of gyms. I made a library that I called the Rec Room because I put like every single skill building item inside of it. <laughs> like even it has a basketball court. I don't know, cool library, I guess. Um, I mean, it's it's really really fun to literally build your own world. And as much as I like the stuff that comes with every pack, and I like uh, seeing what EA has done, it's so. I'm so interested in creating a world that is truly my own and then pressing play on the simulation and just seeing what happens generations down the line. Mm. So, this is my first step in making that possible for me. Um, I probably will share it with people, but my main motivation for this is to make this game even more my own by remaking the world in my image.
1: Mm. What are your, what are your, yeah, what are your, like, specific, like, aims? Like, what what will make this the Gita pack or, like, the Gita world?
2: The Gita save. Uh, the, yeah,
1: the Gita save. Sorry. <laughs> yes.
2: It's okay. That's similar terminology. It's confusing. Um, first of all, I'm trying, I'm trying to think, like, about different tones that I want to give different neighborhoods. They already have general themes. San Myshuno is San Francisco. The mm. But the apartments in here, I've only lived in apartments in two different states, Chicago and New York City, and I I've, I feel like the layouts of these apartments are much too big and have too much room. So I've been trying to compress everything, make everything cramped and smaller and feel more lived in and feel cozier. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get to the mansions, but they're going to be very small mansions with very large yards, I think. That's part of it. I, I need intimacy I think is what I'm trying to create here sometimes EA's builds can be very empty and I understand why because these this game has to like run on anything essentially and if you put too many items on a lot then it'll take a very long time for that lot to load in in older machines that makes sense but then you get to a mansion and it go to a hallway and there's like one table in it and you're like this is the the saddest house in the entire world that's that's part of it I also think uh Architecturally, I want to get way more specific about styles. I have been practicing building craftsman houses on stream and just in my spare Wait, time. What are,
1: what are, what are, can you explain what that is?
2: A craftsman house is a specific architectural style that's native to the Americas. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright made a lot of craftsmen. Ah,
1: uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah,
2: that's the arts and crafts movement. Craftsmen gotcha. are less ostentatious, I think, than most of the Frank Lloyd Wrights that people are thinking about. But mm-hmm. it's all about, in general, I like architecture that uses a lot of natural woods, natural materials, yeah. colors so, like, that blend to the environment. Yeah.
1: Stonework. A little yes. bit here from what I'm looking at. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. A lot of uh, not necessarily wooden slats outside, sometimes just painted concrete, that kind of stuff. Using materials that are easy to come by and not like inexpensive and using them well. I, the general idea for those kinds of homes also is like smaller bedrooms, big living area. Because the way you live, you know, the how you live in a home influences like, the way that you spend your time. And by having smaller bedrooms, it means that families are forced to associate with each other in the living room or dining areas, which I think is a really sweet notion. So there's, there's that. There are a lot of really good architectural items for craftsman houses in The Sims, so I've been really happy about that. Um, I think the la- I've been trying to think about also like what kinds of people would live in these houses. And when I go in to decorate them, That's always been where I end up creating really fun little stories about the people who would live there. Let me go really quickly to a house I'd recently built on a stream where I started thinking about what kind of human beings would live in this house. Um, And then more generally, what kind of people would live in this world that the Gita Jackson save. Uh, Let's see. I built this incredibly beautiful house. Was it this one? Nope. None of these, but it was really good. <laughs> I built this house where I was thinking about, like, okay, this is an enormous craftsman house, and there's got to be a family that lives here. So I started thinking about, well, there's got to be, it's a three bedroom, so maybe one of the kids is a child and the other one is a teenager. And then teenagers and children decorate their their rooms in different ways. Children often have their parents decorate their rooms for them, or... Have like things in that room that they've made the th- themselves. So I was able for the kids' room to uh, just throw a bunch of dinosaur stuff in there. I do mm-hmm. not care about the my Windows Defender summary. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, I <laughs> threw about. I threw a bunch of dinosaur stuff in there because I was thinking, okay, children like dinosaurs. But then, how is that child different from? The the teenager who I decided was an older sister, younger brother, older sister. And in there I put a lot of purples down in the room and then I found these beaded curtains. And I was like, what if this little girl is going through her like hippie phase where she gets obsessed with everything that happened in the 60s and 70s, which is a real phase that many girls go through. I thought I didn't. And then I remembered I bought a... I got really obsessed with that Vincent D'Onofrio Abbott, Abby Hoffman movie for like three months when I was 16. Uh, <laughs> it's really weird. So from there, it's like, okay, what kind of parents raised these two kids? And I started thinking, you know, well, there's one child who's like clearly an overachiever, little science nerd who's really into dinosaurs, and another who is rebelling in some way. So these parents are pretty average, but I bet that they have like eclectic tastes and are, you know, collect interesting furniture and have a very well-decorated home. They're really pushing their children to succeed academically. So I ended up giving them, like, all this mid-century modern furniture that's incredibly beautiful. Uh, I'm so proud of this house, and it makes me very happy. I'm looking at it now. I gave them a little reading nook in the living area. I'll just throw the screenshot in there. So it's just like I'm I'm trying to figure out the narrative of this place. And I feel like the more houses I make, the more that I understand the narrative of this place is about just communities that are communities that feel look and feel more similar to the household that I grew up in, rather than a lot of the sort of white suburban stuff that you end up seeing from Simmers and in the Sims. That's a little cute little place makes me very happy and i would it's like it's very to cute here. yeah definitely
1: well Thank keep you. us up to date let us know when the the gita save is is ready please <laughs> this is a very cute living room um cool i think that's a really cool project is that like a, an ongoing thing besides little Simsy's save? like is there yeah that's really a cool a bunch
2: of people have done this this is simsie didn't invent it Uh, she's just, like, the most popular one.
1: Right, I got you.
2: She's shown off a couple of different ones on her channel. Um, so people get really, really elaborate with this, and, like, sometimes they'll, like, remake it so that it's, like, oh, all these neighborhoods are, like, dystopian and futuristic, or, Mm -hmm. oh, I've seen simmers do, like, redo things so that it's, like, a specific historical period and stuff like that. I'm mostly, like, your average, uh, millennial person that likes mid-century modern furniture, uh, and just decorating every single house in the same way, it makes you try. T- it it's a good project for people who like building because it forces you to try new things. Because mm-hmm. after a while, you're just gonna get fucking sick of putting down the same goddamn chair <laughs> every single yeah,
1: time. Fair yeah. <laughs> enough. God. Yeah. All right, I think that's everything we've played this week. It's been a really busy week, uh, as I said. So let's quickly take a dip in the question bucket uh, to, to round out the show and give us give us a real runtime. Um, <laughs> if you have questions, you can send them to gaming at dot com. Uh, this one comes in from Waz, who who gives us really the question to end all questions: What is better, pizza bites or pizza rolls? Fuck.
0: Oh
1: shit. I'm very. Yeah, uh-huh. Listen, should, we all say, uh, should we all decide and say it at the same time?
0: Yeah, hold on. Okay. Let me, let me make up my mind first. Okay.
2: You got to go to time that is.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> no, I'll just do a countdown. It was three, two, one, and then we say the thing. Okay?
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Three, two, one. Bites. Bites. <laughs> We're linked. We're synced. Great. I don't it's burn bite. my mouth. It was close. close. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. That's, right. mouth. That's what it is.
2: That's 100% That's it. You put the bites in your mouth, and you're like, oh, I can just pop them in my mouth. And then the roof of your mouth is burnt for days.
0: Totino's yeah. uh-huh. pizza rolls. They're so uh, good. They t- taste good, but yeah, they, they're dangerous.
2: <laughs> Stephen so Totillo's pizza rolls.
1: That's right. That's yeah. the, the classic <laughs> Totino's pizza roll. Uh huh. Um. I don't know why when uh, I was like, it's good. I like it. I re- I sounded like that kid who likes the chicken sandwich. You know the kid I'm talking about.
2: Have yes, you not heard yeah, this kid. Yeah, yes. The eleven year old kid.
1: Uh, people should just Google eleven year old this- kid loves fried chicken. Actually, Kado, can you just put this in the thing? Can you just <laughs> put this in the podcast, please? Sure. Yeah. This kid should just- write. Get ready. We're just hit play on this together, and you can just drop it in. It's sixteen seconds. I don't care if we get sued.
0: Yeah, it's fine. This kid's a,
1: a joy. Eleven <laughs> year old kid loves fried love chicken. chicken. Such a great kid. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, play.
2: Well, uh, I'm here in the freezing cold getting free chicken sandwiches because the food tastes great. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no. I mean, it's chicken. It's fried chicken. I love chicken. the name of this too. I like fried
0: chicken.
1: Oh, it's so good. He has three mortgages. I just know it. Yeah. I just know
0: it. <laughs> I was about to say?
1: Oh, it's incredible.
0: The middle-aged man in a child's body. It's so
1: good. He's right. <laughs> what people say to say?
0: When people say they can see someone be a dad,
1: yeah, before uh-huh. they are actually yeah. a father, yeah.
0: <laughs> It's like this kid. This kid is going to yes. be a dad someday. <laughs>
1: It's incredible. It's the incredible. first comment
2: is: He sounds like he already went through life twice.
0: He
1: did, <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he knows the one true thing is: it's uh, okay. he likes chicken sandwiches. They're good.
0: I uh, mean, they're good.
1: They're very listen. good.
0: Listen, what else do you need?
1: Listen, what's better, than this? What's better than this? Chicken sandwiches. Chicken um, sandwiches. <laughs> there is uh, another question here. This one comes in um, from June who writes in last year, uh, I got back into photography after a long time away. I got very deep. I got in very deep, very quickly. And I average about a roll or two of film every week. It was the thing I was doing when the lockdown started though. I stopped or I slowed down. At least wandering around Chicago for hours. Didn't really feel like a responsible thing to do. There's only so many pictures I can take of my succulents. Admittedly, I haven't played many photo games, but Umarangi generation is one of the only games I've played that captures the sheer awkwardness of composing a photo. Both in real life and Umarangi, there are times when I've been crouching in some strange position, standing in a weird spot, or Mm -hmm. figuring out that I am, in fact, far too close to be able to focus how I want. While I've technically finished it, uh, Umarangi will undoubtedly be a game I come back to when I desperately want to go out on hours-long photo walk in the time of COVID. My question is this. Are there any experiences from pre-lockdown that you're missing, and are there any games or other media that capture that experience? Thanks, and keep up with the good work, June like mm. umurangi is like part of why it's connecting for me so strong yeah. is definitely that is definitely the feeling yes. of being in a lived in space um, yes i think what else uh, if, if there are other things i think to some degree part of the reason i've fallen hard into valorant is being able to play with p- hear more voices per day right. yes
2: um, yes uh, <laughs> yes for it's like, sure i've
1: been playing i've been playing that game with people who like i'm f- friends with on the internet but not people who i've ever played a game with before in some cases right or like maybe like we did we did Mech Warrior online one night, or we did like <laughs> four PUBG games together. Um, but a big part of why I've been playing that is is definitely that that, and I, I don't mean that to like uh, undersell the people I'm playing with as cool people. So much <laughs> as so much as emphasizing that like my I'm not a super social person uh, and tend to be able to get. The sociality i need in a day of being in an office or in the world right. and i just don't have that now uh and so it has been very fun to connect to people who i already like a lot uh and play and play some games online with them so that's 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 one for sure but that has less to do with valorant and more to do with you know just the not seeing well, people yeah
2: yeah i absolutely have just latched on to competitive games and multiplayer games uh, because of the pandemic to try to get that element of socialization that i am desperately missing i i also i mean i do consider myself a social person but i also feel like i pretty much get what i need out of socialization if i go to the office mostly because when i'm at the office i just get up and walk around and talk uh-huh. to people all day uh-huh. long <laughs> you
1: know
2: i miss that and like need it desperately and thinking about it constantly um but i I I feel like that I'm hitting my limit <laughs> on competitive games and what they can do for me, though. Because yeah. I, I am starting to remember what it was I don't like about competitive games and the ways that people sometimes are when they play them. Uh, Just, just keep – there's a lot of people who are, like, new to playing competitive games that are playing right now, and I just am loathing this idea I'm having of them – playing with friends and then discovering a whole new side of their friends that they don't love, <laughs> you know? Mm,
1: sure, but sure.
2: I, um, I think, though, like I just wrote this whole essay about this. Really, like The Sims is just giving me this experience. Like it's not so much. I've started to understand how much of my experience of going outside and walking in the city is about the architecture and how much I like to think about the history of the city through looking at its architecture, imagining what facades used to look like, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. So the Sims and I'm like about to buy House Flipper <laughs> for the same <laughs> reason to engage with architecture in that way again and to think about history in that way. I I feel in a lot in a lot of America like a lot of America you don't you don't feel very engaged with history. So I feel like very lucky to live in a city with brownstones that are old as shit, <laughs> like buildings that are pre-war and stuff. Mm-hmm. So not being able to explore parts of the city have that culture. It's just be made. Uh, the Sims, like having it in my brain so that I can remember this thing I like, feel very necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. I, um, kind of same with Umurangi, Umurung- but the other thing that I keep thinking about is just having a nice time in a museum. And mm. the fucking Animal Crossing Museum is <laughs> so nice. It's so like aesthetically pleasing to just walk around there every once in a while. Just like ah, I'm gonna yeah. sit here and let butterflies fly around me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> the butterfly
2: little hutch area is mm-hmm. by so far. It's so good. It makes me so happy.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's the. I got another my other one.
1: Huh. I I built the robot. I did it. Yeah. I have my Gundam. Hell yeah! And I have not played since. It felt like beating the game. I need <laughs> right. to. I need to go back in. It's just been a busy couple of weeks for me, so I have not. Uh, but but yeah, I did it, and that felt good. Um
0: yeah. I've stopped <laughs> buying turnips, which I never thought would happen. I've
1: also stopped. Well, like, what else am I supposed to buy at this point? Like, what, right. what do I need money for? I don't need money for anything. I'm yeah, good. Yeah, I'm good. you
0: uh, expand? Um, not expand. Uh, you know, fuck around with your island if you want, but.
1: Hmm.
2: Can you guys want to hear something that feels like a secret, but isn't a secret, but huh. still feels like a secret to me?
1: Sure, yeah.
2: I fell off, man. I stopped playing. I stopped playing Animal Crossing.
1: Yeah. Was there something Neat. that did it, or was it just like, I'm done, I'm good?
2: I I mean, part of it was I moved my Switch from my bedroom to the living room because I wanted to let my roommate play Animal Crossing. She eventually got her own Switch, so I never turned it back, and I used to just wake up and grab the Switch and <laughs> immediately go into Animal <laughs> Crossing. <laughs> Yeah. So I stopped doing that. That was part of it, but also, the minute it started feeling like a chore, I was like, "No, I'm not going to let <sighs> it get that way. I'm going to put it down, and then when I want to play it again, I will pick it up." Sure. And I just haven't felt that want. I have. I've, I'm getting the the itch scratched in other places. Plus, I kind of want to wait just to see what villagers move out <laughs> and who I get <laughs> next. Ah, <laughs> uh,
1: sure, sure. Why not? I was. Right?
2: I couldn't. Get who's the horny bunny villager? There's one villager Uh, that wears fishnets and she's a bunny. The horny bunny villager. Hang Um, on, horny bunny villager. Animal Crossing. Um, not zipper. That's he's not horny. And I think her name (laughs) is Tiffany. (laughs) Zipper's not horny. I refuse to believe this. Um, I I think her name is Tiffany. She has like a. A roulette like casino themed home. She wears Aww. fishnets and a long t shirt. And on her like amiibo card, it's her looking over her shoulder with her like little bunny butt poof showing. Um I'm I'm not into it. She seems fine, <laughs> just not on my island. Okay. Put on some see. fucking I pants. See.
1: Okay. <laughs> like, Damn. well not yeah. So
2: I needed her to leave and I couldn't get her to leave. I stopped talking to her and then every day she was still there. And I was like, I need to not get so angry at a virtual rabbit. I need to not do this.
0: (laughs) I don't know if, have you had anyone leave when you're not there?
2: Not when I'm not there.
0: Right. Only when I'm there. I think you have to actually, you know, they got those little thought bubbles uh, above their head sometimes. I think I actually have to engage with them then. And they'll ask you if they should leave before actually leaving in this one. Because I haven't had anyone leave when I'm not there. Well, I which think that's
2: a, Which is
1: stupid. a trap. <laughs> so it's is done with Animal Crossing.
2: I'm never returning. As, a, as long as a Steered horny bunny by is by there, the I'm bunny not. bunny
1: wearing fishnets. That's it. <laughs>
2: I don't like it. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm not usually anti-horny. It's just like, I'm here to have a nice time. You know, mm-hmm. I'm here... I'm here not to be horny. (laughs) I'm not here to be (laughs) horny today.
1: That's why I'm here. That's
2: why I'm here. I'm here to just be in Animal Crossing and not think about how men get horny for fishnets. You know, like I just, I'm over it.
1: (laughs) Fair enough. I'm
2: over thinking about the male gaze when I'm playing a video game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) God, fair enough. Um, All right. I'll give maybe one more question before we... Actually, here's a quick one. This is not a question. This is me saying this person's right. Like Austin, I've been playing <laughs> some Fallout 76, but after 10 or so hours, I've discovered something odd. I can't internalize the controls. I find myself constantly hitting the wrong button or having to stare at the UI to figure out what I want to do next. I don't think this has ever been an issue with me, even with other fallouts. Also, I'm curious if you have other issues where a game control just doesn't click. Uh, P.S. As a person living in West Virginia, Fallout 76 depiction of a state really sucks, but that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> um that game's ui is bad or like the the it is inconsistent what buttons do so sometimes it's like uh, if i'm to pull up the inventory or to pull up the ui it's not the same button to put the ui away and wait, switching what? between switching between uh, that might not be true but it's something like that Shame. and then the the big one is that like the button to um button th- from one menu onto another one i think is on the triggers instead of the bumpers, but in other inventory or in other UI elements, the bumpers are what move between like left and right. Do you know what I mean? Like if yes. you if you're looking at the top level of a menu and it's like status items radio that's triggers but then on other menus you use the bumpers to move between left and right sets of things and like figuring out how to internalize that is impossible because it changes depending on what thing what the thing is you're doing uh it's 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 a mess it's a mess it's a mess um i've also not played that in like like two weeks so a week and a half something like that so fair (laughs) enough um uh Are there other other UIs that come to mind that are just like, I can't deal with this?
2: As much as I would really, I I need to finish Outer Wilds. I know Mm -hmm. that it's good. Everyone's told me it's good. I went ahead and read the whole plot summary knowing that I would feel different once I experienced it myself, but I just was too curious. I can't fly in that game. I can't do it. I I, know it's better with the... I know oh, it's, it's definitely better with, better with the controller. a controller.
1: I can't imagine doing it with a mouse and keyboard. It feels like it would be impossible. Man, but now uh, I gotta hook heart. up
2: my f- fucking controller. Yeah, <laughs> you know, fair, I don't wanna fair. do that. Fair. I'm tired.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey writes in and asks Dear Waypoint, I hope you are all doing well and staying well. A few days ago on Twitter, I saw a question about games crit that got me thinking: What does the games criticism industry need to elevate itself? So I ask all of you: What do you think is needed to elevate games crit in this new decade? In your in your professional opinions, how much time you got? Like, I yeah,
2: my dude, I got a lot to say.
1: <laughs> my. I guess what I'll start with is actually like I think there's a lot of really good games crit right now. I think if now versus 10 years ago, there's probably a, a broader amount of games crit than ever. Mm-hmm. But I think the path forward for getting it paid is, is tougher than ever or is um, a lot of the paths that I think a decade ago or five years ago even when like Gita and I were freelancing, um, the things that we thought would happen – or we hoped would happen, happened, and it didn't change anything. Um, yep. It didn't actually forge a way for GamesCrit to be adapted or adopted by a larger audience. Um, it didn't lead to their being... And when, okay, so I guess I'll get specific, which is like, when I think about the mid-20... When I think about the early 2010s through the mid-2010s, what I think we saw was a lot of emerging game critics who uh, felt like there was not a place for their work to go other than their personal blogs... Or one or two small sites, um, uh, if they were not full time employees, right? So, like Paste published a lot of games criticism. Um, they they paid very humbly uh, as as a long term Paste uh, writer at the time. At the time, they were not paying great rates, but they were paying me, and that was better than me just putting it on my blog. Uh, there were places that were publishing longer form games crit, uh, and like, by games crit, what I mean specifically is stuff that is not reviews, is not features. Um, I think reviews fit into the world of games crit, but at the time specifically, what I think a lot of people wanted w- were things that did not come down to, is this worth a purchase? And game reviews on major publications or in major publications were still fundamentally about purchase decision. Even even when I was writing, I still had to come back around to like, what is this thing? Is this thing worth your time, et cetera? Whereas criticism can be a little broader, can talk, can talk, can have a thesis that goes beyond – this thing's fundamental value, um, and can say, "Hey, this thing does this specific thing." Um, and at the time, it was lots of blogs. It was sites like Paste and like a couple of other ones that were publishing stuff like that from freelancers. And then uh, it, some people who had full time jobs were able to have a column, or able to have you know every, once a week or twice a week they would be able to do something crit related uh, on top of their normal news writing or on top of their normal reviews or whatever. Um uh, and at the beginning of the decade, it was mostly white. It was mostly white dudes, right? Um, there were absolutely really influential uh, women uh, and and people of color who were who were uh, and and you know non-binary people who were writing. Um, uh, it was not just like white dudes, cis white dudes. Uh, but but in terms of uh salaried roles. Uh, instead of kind of bad paychecks from small websites, it was very much one thing. And I think by the mid of the decade, and Gita, you can back me up mm-hmm. on this probably, we were like, all right, we have made a splash as independent freelancers. There, we're getting a chance to do some writing, um, and we we're starting to get hired in real roles at places, <laughs> um, which means that we should have time to – Uh, Mentor voices like ours to spread our wings a little bit. Um, uh, And that experience has been like so frustrating because what I've seen is great criticism being published for the last five years on a variety of sites. Um, including ones that were, like, direct competitors of, of Waypoints, right? Like, I was reading everything Kotaku was doing. I, yeah, I we read were, everything we that Unwinnable regularly. publishes, right? Like, I definitely, yeah. right? Um, and in, the, in our
2: Slack, we were regularly talking about how much we love Waypoints. we well, <laughs> were it.
1: very jealous of you guys. Well, guess what? No one else was. Uh, <laughs> uh, the audience is small, <sighs> right? Like, the, the lesson that I learned from doing this for years was the biggest hit games crit piece that you can do pales in comparison to uh, i want to be clear a well-reported feature um i don't just mean like the quick hit blog stuff the quick hit blog stuff also does really well right the quick take does can do can do better if it's if it's timely you know i think about Mm -hmm. like patrick being writing a piece that was mad about something in red dead redemption being like the the most hits we've gotten we got that one month uh like the january right after red dead came out um and it was like a thing he threw off and he had no idea it would do as well but it totally it totally resonated because people were curious we're talking about red dead and that was going to do way better and this is not me dragging patrick because patrick is smart and understands how to how to play the game right but that piece did way better than any column we published that month way better way better i don't mean i don't mean it did better i don't mean like uh, you watch a football game and it's like you know thirty three to thirty. <laughs> I mean, like you watch a football game and it's like three hundred to three. You know, like the, the scales that we're talking about are dr- are dramatically different. Um, and and what I what I came to learn over the, the time period is like yes, there is an audience for games criticism. It is not big enough to um, make games crit a a cornerstone of any major publication. Um, uh, there has to be another valve. There has to be another another source for money to come in because the audience isn't there. There's no version of it where, like, if only the game script was better, there'd be, like, no, the audience isn't there mm-hmm. yet. Maybe it will be in 10 years. Um, yeah. Uh, and that, I don't want to be, like, I don't want to sound like a downer about this stuff, but I... But yeah, I,
2: the... The only way I've gotten my stuff to land is framing it as internet culture. For some reason, mm-hmm. when you frame game community stuff as internet culture, people's brains switch on and they suddenly get it. Well,
1: but you get you- a different audience in that in that case, right? Because then you're yeah. hitting an audience, which was the pitch behind Waypoint to begin with was like, we're going to publish stories that hit an audience that goes beyond the gamer and hits people who understand games because they were raised with games, but maybe don't play every new release, right? Um, and what we found was like, no, mostly those people don't care unless it's really, really knock it out the park, incredible story, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Which is tough.
2: And it's, yeah, So like concurrently, I was learning a lot of the same lessons at Kotaku, where learning how to report, learning uh, about journalism, learning uh, basically being thrown into the deep end of the pool and forced to do journalism immediately, taught me how to understand trends and like how to sort of Mary Poppins my criticism into someone's mouth by using a trending topic, perhaps, you know, it's you begin thinking about stuff like that, thinking about I can use this current conversation happening in the community as a jumping off point for a broader conversation about X, Y, Z. And that's the only sort of foothold I've had to understand, like I've tried to, in which I can get people interested in these concepts. Or, I mean, by essentially, I mean, the other thing is like, I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm sort of straddling both motherboard and uh, vice gaming. And when I write about internet culture stuff for a broader audience, it's, I don't want to disrespect or leave behind the original communities that Create all of this stuff that right. I'm talking about. You don't want to talk
1: about? down to them or talk. You yes. don't want to again. One of the one of the if I if I pulled up our like you know vision doc for what Waypoint was, we never ever and in fact one of the earliest criticisms I made to Vice's uh, uh, documentary games coverage at the time. Vice had done like an esports doc. And it was very much like, whoa, can you believe people play video games for money? Can you believe people play video games in front of a crowd? And it's like, yeah, yes, I can, because they're because we're in the crowd. Like we are we are <laughs> the you can't be outside looking in on this shit because it's really, really insulting. And you'll end up you'll end up alienating the community that you want to speak to instead of instead of speaking to them. Um so yeah, that was a huge part of it for me, Gita, for sure. Um yeah. that balance of like, how do I talk about this group without Talk. How do I talk about about what's happening here for a wider audience than the people here without alienating the people here? Um, um, for what it's worth, and like this is the turn. Here's the like. Here's what I think the next decade looks like. Um, I think we see an extension of. I think. I, I. What I've learned is I don't know that it's doable in the model that requires advertising dollars to be spent. That requires uh, your cornerstone stuff to get five hundred thousand to a million views. Um, Etc. Uh, what I yeah. think what I think will happen is an extension of what already has started happening, which is more crowdfunded games crit, more insulated or insular, mm-hmm. but also supported community driven games crit. Um, you know, it's easy to look into the success of things like uh, Unwinnable – or sorry, uh, Uppercut in the last couple of weeks. Uppercut had this really great big push on Patreon to, to – and, and as a, a crowdfunded thing to start paying freelancers through COVID. But um, uh, what I was going to say was Unwinnable has been around for 10 years. So it's not like there haven't been crowdfunded uh, subscription-based games crit stuff happening for a long time, right? Bullet Points has been around for a while now. Abnormal Mapping has been around for a while now. Um, the the That audience, those smaller audiences will find and support uh, GameScript, because the thing that's wild about, about this industry is the amount of people it takes to support a piece of ga- If I wrote something today, right? Let's like just say, like, right now, I sat down, and I hammered out the best essay in my life, and it was about umarangi generation, right? Um, and I put it out there. Top Top possible – my guess is 18,000 views uh, if we publish mm-hmm. it on Waypoint, right? Maybe 80,000 views. And if it really is just a stunning piece of incredible writing, two hundred to 300,000 views. This is all like completely ballpark shit based on my past writing, based on where, how I've been able to gauge success. I've gotten more hits other places, but given the – given and, and depending on the topic, right? If I was writing it about GTA instead of about Umurangi, then let me tell you, it would, it would be way better just because GTA has more pool. Um, but if I was writing, like, the essay I wanted to write, the best version of it, that's what it would look like. Um, you know, a website can't be built around someone doing, you know, 30 or 40 hours of work writing an essay that gets 18,000 hits. It can't. It will. It's not sustainable, right? The money doesn't add up, unfortunately. But if you take 18,000 readers and you say, well, what if, like, what if 10% of them spent a dollar for this piece? Suddenly, that money actually does add up. Um, which is weird uh, because the market suggests that small amounts of people aren't supposed to be worth anything. But it turns out, and this is what my hope is for the next decade, uh, is not necessarily that this is going to be sustainable. It's not that I think that this is like, and this is the good future for games criticism. What I actually mean is, it's going to allow games criticism to continue happening at all. I don't think that that raises the total number of readers by a huge proportion. I don't think that we're going to live in 2025 and like, Everyone you know is going to have a deep understanding of like important game studies terms, or understand like the critical like the history his- the history of critical literature, or understand why like terms like flow aren't necessarily useful uh, because of developments in game game studies, games crit, game design conversations, like things like that. We're not going to have a a, 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 a a sea change in the amount of people who can have or interested in having, uh, rather interested in that style of games crit. Um, but what I do think is possible is that these these smaller audiences will continue to kind of glob together, support writers that they love, support video makers that they love, um, and, and move into a space where, like, that is the model. Um, and I don't – that's not like – that's not me saying, like, and that's more desirable than a world in which there was an outlet that had the money to throw <laughs> – at stuff and and Mm -hmm. there are outlets still paying for it like i know fanbite is still commissioning stories like this like i know that hopefully when when vice gives us freelance budget again we will continue to commission stories like we were doing at one point um uh but but for me that is like the path forward um sorry to go on a rant about this it has been on (laughs) my mind a lot lately
2: Sounds like you had something to say. Yeah. yeah. I, I one thing I'll add is that ooh, one thing that I know is a problem across criticism across, you know, all of media um is that it's it's just harder to be a minority <laughs> in these spaces. It just <laughs> is. Um I I have now sort of under I I'm pretty disappointed, I guess I would say with how change has happened <laughs> over the past couple of years since I've been a writer, where the same people that I feel like want to, I can see them wanting to and expressing what they want to listen to and help, you know, writers of color, writers who are marginalized, who just have a harder time getting that first pitch accepted. I I feel like we talk a lot about how to get more new voices but we need to start thinking also about how to retain old voices Mm -hmm. and how to make sure that the spaces in which we work uh don't suffer from the exact same problems that we report on in the industry that we cover Uh, it's it's i feel like for me like that is now going to be the the drum that i bang incessantly until people find me really annoying
1: uh yeah no it turns out I quit right like I I did <laughs> yeah. I had five years of this in me I I came into this a year and I was like Ugh, I I don't know if I have I don't know if I have a decade of games journalism in me I had five years uh I I played out that five years I'm still doing the podcast obviously I'll still always probably write about video games because part of me can't help it um, and that is the thing I end up telling so many people who ask about getting into the industry is like. If you want to specifically about games, crit like again, if I think if you want to if you want to go the news hustle, there's more opportunities. I don't think news sites are going anywhere. If you want to get into videos, like I think video isn't going anywhere. Though I think I I do wonder what the I do think that um, game crit at large outlets, game crit video at large outlets will continue to be difficult. Um, but but the the thing I tell those people is like do it because you can't do anything else. Like I don't. I – not because you can't do anything else, but you can't help but do it is really what I mean, right? Like, yeah. I can't help but play a game and be like, ooh, I need to talk about this. I need to write about this. I need to, like, get my ideas into an order that makes sense. Um, but there is no money here. <laughs> there is no career here. Um, uh, there isn't a, a, a way in which – like, listen, I came to Vice and was being paid 20000 less than every other EIC here, right? Um, yeah. The only time that money ever went up was one to – this is just, like, mask off at this point – one when they were trying to get me to stop doing friends at the table, and also this is all people who aren't here anymore, right? This is like yeah. old leadership stuff. They're trying to get me to do stop doing friends at the table, and so they're like, "Here, we'll give you twenty thousand dollars more." Uh, and that was still another twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars less than what other, some some other EICs were making. Uh, but but that was like, "Oh, we're going to start to bring you back up to where you are. Could you consider quitting doing this other thing that makes you?" A, 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 um, they didn't say it in these terms. What they said is, we want to bring you hundred percent on board, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. wild. Um, uh, and that when I asked, like, what's that mean, they were like, we'd like you to either stop doing friends at the table or bring it in house. And it's like, no, my friends own this. No, yeah. I don't ever do. <laughs> don't ever bring this up to me again. Um, because fuck off. Uh, and uh, and then the 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 only other time I was able to get a raise here was by having an offer to go somewhere else and t- t- declining that offer, but you know needing to leverage that to get a raise. Um, and it's like that is – you're pulling teeth and you're doing it to then like write something no one is going to read or that half of the people who read it are going to be like, you said the word Trump in this, so fuck you. Tell me more about the monsters, <laughs> right? Um, it's it's really demoralizing. It's a hard place to stay and to make your your full-time gig because it is not a particularly – it is not a particularly um, – uh, welcoming space writ large. We've been uh, very lucky uh, that I think I, I, we we were surrounded by people. I'm very happy with with the way that Waypoint like treated. Us and like when I fucked up, believe me, they fucking held me to account when I was in the role of VIC. Uh, but by and large, there were lots of people who read things we wrote and who paid attention to us and who I think, if we'd had a uh, direct to consumer, quote unquote, uh, a subscription option, I think we would have done very well. Um, but I, but I also know that that is like that isn't what a big company is going to want quite yet. You know, um, HBO Max ain't about to start. You know, offering uh, games crit. Actually, maybe they are. Who, who the fuck knows what's on HBO Max? That thing's a mess.
2: Honestly, who the fuck knows what's on HBO Max? Uh-huh. I don't know. What That's
1: the headline. Who the fuck HBO knows? Max. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you were going to say something else, though, Gita.
2: It's, um... Yeah, I mean, Maddie Myers, my friend, and also newly at Polygon, at doing... At being everyone's Shout-outs boss, to, I think.
1: To, to Maddie, yeah.
2: shout out to Maddie, love her. Um, She... Um, I've completely lost my thought. <laughs> completely, sorry. <laughs> um, let me start again. Maddie Myers, who's currently at Polygon, used to be with me at Kotaku. Used to call video game journalism baby journalism for babies. That's what I was going for. <laughs> ah,
0: okay, <laughs> I see. And
2: then, you know, like there's, it's a partially like a self-effacing, like um, right, you know, games right, journalist baby says, journalism. This
1: what I'm doing is baby journalism is different than S- yeah. saying it from the outside.
2: Yeah, but it's also like when you look at the challenges that games journals are put through and to uh the extreme like vitriol on the other side that you receive for doing normal shit that shouldn't be so shocking or upsetting to people. Uh you really just start to feel like you know, like what you just start to feel like I could be I could be writing about something else and making a lot more money and why am I not doing that?
1: For me it's, it has to it comes back to me for me of being like I I do care about this shit. That's why I'm yeah. doing it. It can it isn't yeah. for the money. There is no money in this. Uh what there is is fulfillment. Um and I and for what it's worth I do think that like the The breadth of expressions that we can see inside of gamescrit is better now than it has been before. like there is
2: oh, absolutely.
1: it's a hundred. So like it's not me saying like there's a net negative here. Um, but what there hasn't been is a change that seems like we are there is no class of game crit coming out of the last 10 years of development in the critical space. What there is is like a – or if, if there is a class, that class is transient. That class is people who do freelance work for a few years, maybe get a staff position for a while, then have a medical bill they have to pay. And so they have to start looking for a job that has that has better benefits or they're looking for something a little more stable or something that like doesn't f- f- put them in the line of fire from hate squads because someone didn't like – a tweet that had a rewrite of a headline that the author didn't even see until the piece went live, right? Um, like that stuff is 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 rough. Uh and yeah. and it's it goes back to what you were saying, Gita, of like if the first step was here is What's happened over the last decade is there's now a, a bigger pool than ever of people doing games crit. That pool is more diverse than ever. These are improvements. But yes. that pool is now just like being run through. And increasingly, with COVID, especially, there is less and less freelance budget to even go around. And so it's not like there is it's not like there's a home for those people. It's more like these people are 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 people who can be slotted in for a season, do the job, you know, you can shuffle through as many of them as 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 you want. Lots of them have incredible voices and would really benefit from a full time job at a place, uh, in terms of changing culture, in terms of helping. But it's but I, it, it seems really hard to see a world in which that happens from the inside of the industry out, instead of what I think will probably happen, which is one of one of these Patreon funded, crowdfunded sites will actually probably grow until it becomes a little bit bigger, until it becomes um, uh, uh, even a more. I mean. Obviously, Giant Bomb did this with video content a decade ago, mm-hmm. uh, and live streams, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, let's play content, and quick looks, and blah blah blah. Um, but I can imagine one of the like one of the Patreon uh, sites out there hitting in a big way. But that that isn't systemic change either, right? That isn't like then yeah. that becomes the model. <clears throat> um, uh, and I and suspect- systemic
2: change would involve like a revolution of the entire media industry, which no one has really figured out how to adequately monetize.
1: Totally, you so would have
2: to start there. But that's systemic change. And would an education, serve the least marginalized people amongst
1: right, us right,
2: first right so right. it's years and years and years of work naive of me that i couldn't think that i could have done it all by myself which i definitely did think <laughs>
1: well you should have thought that that wasn't gonna do it either <laughs> yeah, that was gonna,
2: i mean god i, I was willing to just you get out of bed every morning under the train tracks totally. yeah
1: that's the I, thing is right you tell yourself like i have to do this right now because i'm trying to pave my way for blah 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 and then you get to the end and you're like shit they took all the pavement away <laughs> they fucking yeah. put dirt all over the pavement again um, yeah, it's like
2: shit. I gotta start all over. Like right, seeing right. younger writers talk about being treated in ways that I remember being treated by right. editors just like dismissed. Sometimes ignored. by the
1: same editors. Like sometimes it sucks. Sometimes
2: by the same um, freaking editors. It, you know, it's, it, it's disappointing. It yeah. makes you sad. I shouldn't say disappointing. It does suck and it is it feels unjust to
1: me. Yeah. There is a there is a part of it that's tough because it's like I think in the middle of doing it all, it's easy to. And I know we're like really navel gazy here right now, but I know some people enjoy that, so I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> um, it, it is it is easy to convince yourself that you are part of systemic change when in fact you are the exception to the rule, mm. um, and that can that can defang you and declaw you a little bit um, yes. because it's like ah, the change the change I want is is coming. It's here. I'm part of it. Uh, when in fact, it's like the change that I want is a decade, two decades away requires changes in the education system in your country requires mm. changes in, like you said the the entire media landscape, the way that media functions um, uh, changes in the way social media uh, functions uh, and and all of that is a big ask when like what I what you want is to be able to be paid a living wage for writing stuff that you know, a few dozen thousand people enjoy. Um uh So, yeah, I don't know. I think my suggestion as readers, not that again, I mean, part of this here is right. You cannot fix this. Um If everyone who listened to this podcast, like said, all right, I'm going to I'm going to go support a Patreon right now that wouldn't fundamentally fix the problem of games crit in the industry what it would do is put a lot of money into uh, writers hands uh help some particular marginalized voices uh help games crit to continue to survive and so for me the, my my suggestion is like uh you can't enact you can't necessarily enact the change that's going to overnight fix everything but you can do what you can do to help games crit continue to thrive and so look around go go look at like what sort of freelance uh or or, or crowdfunded based stuff is out there again I, i've mentioned some already places like unwinnable uppercut um uh, uh what's the what's what? why am i blanking on um was it, uh, Honestly,
2: Critical Distance still rounds up some really, really good lesser-known crit. They started branching out and rounding up stuff that I write, too, but I go there to read about the stuff from writers that I... Have not heard of yet.
1: Totally, Rebind was the one that I was just thinking of that also does good stuff. Abnormal Mapping, um, yeah, there, yes. are, there are which uh, a bunch of great podcasts there. Some good, some good writing from the folks there too. Um, again, Unwinnable is something that's been around for a decade, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't require or need support. People should go check that out. And like you said, if you a, a Critical Distance itself uh, has its own uh, Patreon, right, uh, and it's worth it's worth supporting them because of the cura- curatorial work that they do. Um, I, I said bullet points before, like it it goes on and on and on. Uh, uh, I know I'm missing people and it, it fucks me up that I, I'm like, (laughs) I did not come in prepared for this question with notes all ready to go. (laughs) Um, uh, but look around, try to find stuff that, that, um, speaks to you. Find stuff that like, Hey, this is, this is the sort of thing that I, I really like. Um, and so, and so, yeah, uh, that's my suggestion and it's, that's kind of what I think. What the fuck do I know? I don't work here anymore. <laughs> you know, like I don't even go I'm still here. Saw still uh, the podcast. I'm still on the podcast, but like, you know what I mean. Like, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not looking at daily numbers anymore. I'm not buried in stats. Right. Uh, but but that is that is what I think this next decade looks like. And and uh, I hope I hope continues to do well. Um, and I hope you know, as well as it can in terms of the quality of writing. And I think I think we are going to continue to see really strong writing. I just wish we lived in a world where I was confident those writers would get paid, you know? Yeah. Um, or paid yes. well, paid enough to live on. So it goes. Um, with that... Def-
0: mm. What's up? No, no I was just going to say, it, it definitely feels like there's even more of a... Um, not just it's it's both things both a a growing audience but also a growing kind of um base of writers interested in this because of an expansion in academia Mm. um which is this kind of double-edged like there's more people interested in writing this stuff and we'll also probably consume more of it but it's harder to support the the one number of more writers existing with one number of more readers existing like yeah
1: yeah those numbers just um, don't uh as jay-z once said uh you're a candle in the sun that shit don't even out um (laughs) that's how that's how it is uh all right on that downer note on this downer week (laughs) uh i think we should wrap it up we'll be back next week with more i will probably end up missing an episode next week also uh, we'll, we'll see right I'm, I'm staring down some deadlines de- that some deadlines they're exciting deadlines one day I'll talk about these deadlines I'm sure I cannot do that yet but um but I hope I hope people have a good <laughs> safe weekend as always uh, you can send those questions into gamingadvice.com uh, you can also go to waypoint.zone slash boen to listen to miss you the track uh, off of the Pale machine by Boen which we use as our theme Um you can find me on Twitter at awesome underscore Walker. You can follow Waypoint, twitter.com slash Waypoint. Gita, where can people find you?
2: You can find me at XOXOGossipGita on Twitter and Instagram.
1: And Kato.
0: At A underscore Kato underscore appears. And also put question in the subject so that it hits the filters. Those please do yes yeah. otherwise
1: it's hard for me to see them thank you thank you for noting yeah. that uh, otherwise i have to go diving through spam emails that hit the same feed it hit the same uh, <laughs> uh email and no, i don't see it because people are trying to sell us junk or whatever um <laughs> all right everybody as always fuck capitalism in every meaning of the word <laughs> go home peace Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns.
0: Gonna sell us list of knife manufacturers that were at a certain convention. I guess conventions Are you, aren't happening anymore.
1: No, <laughs> why you need the list of knife manufacturers. <laughs> you gotta find you gotta figure out where those who am I supposed to talk to about knives. Normally I just go to the knife. Knife, convention, yeah, the knife, knife, knife con.
2: con. Usually, I do just go to the knife convention. Normally, I just go my to knives the, there. the
1: knife con. Yeah,
2: knife con. Yeah, you're a, a cool.
1: <laughs> That's a real. Is this a real <laughs> thing? Knife
2: con I'm following. sure it is. Yeah, it remember is. the knife channel that everyone got obsessed with watching for a while? The knife I love,
1: yeah, show. Yeah, knife channel Knife show is great. Shout out to the knife, knife show.
2: show. <laughs> Mano with the knife show.
0: Kato, do you know what this is? <laughs> no, but I just Googled knife con, the knife and the first thing says knives at KnifeCenter. <laughs> 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 That's the funniest thing to me right now, but it's fucking. Why? It oh, so so also the funniest. second one is called Megaknife.com. Love it.
2: I need a mega knife.
1: Gotta get me a mega knife. Uh, 30 for the clap. If people time You got five seconds still.
2: Yeah. I'm ready.
1: Okay, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have anything. <laughs> <to it>.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> excellent.
2: Uh, I'm just happy it's not me this time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fifty. Uh,
0: sure. Sounds good.
2: I'm Gita. Sound like nice <laughs> clap.
0: Clap. <laughs>